0: Morning. I want to. Uh, I want to use an Old Testament, um, an, an Old Testament picture that comes up quite frequently. Not just here, but it comes up quite frequently in the Old Testament. And, and I want to look at it in its application to our New Testament Christian living. And that is the principle of the armor bearer. The young man that is with Jonathan in this particular battle. He is called the armor bearer and it is a word or a term that you'll actually read quite frequently as you're studying the Old Testament or if you are reading history, like Egyptian history, the history of uh, of uh, battles that took place back in this era of time, you will find that the armor bearer was a distinct person or place within the army. It literally means the one who carries the armor. That's the full term for it. We translate it in English, armor bearer. He often carried a large shield and sometimes other weapons and normally attended a king, a commander in chief, a captain in the army, or like a champion, as if Goliath was called a champion. He had an armor bearer. And all warriors of distinction had armor bearers. There's probably a few reasons for that. Number one, a warrior of distinction was somebody that was frequently going into battle, and they were putting themselves in places where there was extra danger, like the situation we just read where one man, Jonathan, goes into battle, and he has one person with him, his armor bearer, and they're literally fighting 20 to 30 men. Obviously, you would need additional help. The uh, warriors of distinction were also targeted, and so you would end up with somebody that was targeted by the enemy. If you could take down Goliath, for example, or if you could take down Jonathan, which was the king's son, or if you could take down the king, you know, that would be a great victory for the enemy. So most of the time, these warriors of distinction had armor-bearers that traveled with them. Rather than perish by the hand of a woman, Abimelech, if you'll remember in Judges chapter 9, was almost killed by a woman. He was going to die. And rather than breathe his last breath, having been killed by a woman, Abimelech had his armor bearer, who was close by, kill him, drive the sword through him. You might remember when King Saul was wounded on the battlefield. He was afraid the Philistines would catch him and uh, either you know, kill him there or torture him or take him captive. And King Saul asked his armor bearer or told his armor bearer to kill him. But the armor bearer wouldn't do it. He's like, I'm not going to do it. So King Saul turned his sword on himself and fell on his own sword. Before that moment in Saul's life, we learned that David in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, I think it was, that David became Saul's armor bearer. Armor-bearers were used in Egypt, Assyria, by the Hittites, and most likely any other warring countries in this era of time. Now, what is some of the practical lessons for us when we look at the armor-bearer? I want to say up front that uh, we're looking at Old Testament war, New Testament spiritual war is very different. Uh, What we just read in 1 Samuel chapter 14 is a real event with real warriors, in a real battle. It's not an analogy. It's not a story. It's a real event. We no longer fight those types of battles as Christians. We are in a spiritual war. Ephesians chapter 6 teaches us that we are in a spiritual battle. And I acknowledge that. We don't want to take, you know, this Old Testament truth and push it too far. We will close in Ephesians chapter 6. Today, we will look at our spiritual battle today. But there are some things we can learn from the armor bearer. God's word gives us this picture of the armor bearer, not just here, but in many other places. And so, what are some of the things we can learn about the armor bearer? One of the things that we do see is that we are not meant to fight our battles alone, God's divine design for his church is a body of believers working together, growing together, and when necessary, battling together. And today, we're going to examine the role of the armor bearer in our spiritual battles. Hopefully, before I'm done today, you will see why you and I need armor bearers in our lives to help us fight the battles that lie ahead. We have to resist the urge to fight our battles all alone. We need armor bearers in our lives. And we need to be prepared to be called upon to help others in their time of need. So this morning, let's look at three facts together about spiritual war that are modeled by the armor bearer. Number one, notice that great battles require great armor bearers. I think it's awesome that some of the most significant battles in recorded for us in history, biblical history, that they they tell us about the armor bearer. We see the armor bearer's role. Now, we don't know that in this case, we don't know the armor bearer's name. In fact, I'm not 100% sure that we ever know any name of any armor bearer other than David and Saul. King David was King Saul's armor bearer. Other than that, It's just the armor bearer. He doesn't get the glory. His name's not out there. We don't know who he is. But he is mentioned in these very significant battles. These leaders were especially targeted. If a soldier could kill an enemy leader, there would be panic. There would be confusion. There would be a better chance of routing the enemy. So any high-ranking officer was a target and therefore... High-ranking officers needed these armor-bearers to go alongside them and help them in their time of battle. And brothers and sisters, the same is true for us today. If the greatest warriors needed help, so too do you and I from time to time. The enemy tries to isolate us when he wants to attack. It's an important thing to understand about spiritual warfare is that your enemy wants to isolate you in your time of attack. He wants to fight you all alone. He wants to discourage you all alone. He wants you to try to fight back all alone. Because when you are alone, you are weaker. When you are alone and you are tired and exhausted, you are more susceptible to the tactics of the enemy, more susceptible to being deceived, more susceptible to being manipulated. And so in our time of battle, we need men and women of God who can come alongside of us and help us fight the fights that we are fighting. The lesson is simple. We are safer and we are more victorious when we don't go it alone. Everyone needs an armor bearer at some point in their life. And armor bearers are meant to fight with you or alongside you and for you, but never against you. This was the goal of the armor bearer, was to come alongside the one to whom he was assigned and help that person in battle. And we all need people in our lives who come alongside us and help us in our time of battle. Now, I want to talk about, you know, individual, you need men. I, I believe men need men in their lives. I believe women need women in their lives. But I do believe that the greatest armor-bearer, by God's design, is meant to be your spouse. Husbands, I believe the greatest armor-bearer in your life, by God's design, is meant to be your wife. And wives, the greatest armor-bearer in your life is meant to be your husband. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, Ultimately, it's just the way God created it, the way that God designed it one of the things about armor bearers is not only did they need to be able to battle, but armor bearers, you know, they, they, they had a speci- one of their most specific roles is in the, in the battle, in the place of engagement, it would be to fight off anything else coming at the person while they were at war. And so the armor bearer in this situation, uh, Jonathan's armor bearer might see that Jonathan is engaged in a sword fight And the armor-bearer would be conscious of what was going on because there might be enemies trying to come along the backside to attack Jonathan from the back. In that case, the armor-bearer would step in and would begin fighting people to keep them off of of Jonathan. So the armor-bearer not only has this responsibility of being able to engage in battle, but also being able to see what the person he's assigned to can't see in the midst of battle. And you will find, husbands and wives, there's nobody that has a greater perspective of what's actually going on in your home, what's going on in your marriage, what's going on in your life, than your husband or your wife. This was an important principle for me, I learned, uh, had to learn early on in my life, was that I actually needed my wife's perspective. That she sees things from a different angle than I see things. That we can both be looking at the same thing But I'm over here looking at it from this direction, so here's what I see. She's over here looking at it from this direction, and so this is what she sees. And what I've learned is that it's not about me being right or wrong or her being right or wrong, but there are two different views, two different perspectives to the same problem. And if we're going to attack this problem and we're going to win victoriously, we want all the information we can get. We want every angle that there is on this thing so we can make an educated decision and you will find there is nobody in your life that can be a better armor bearer to you than your husband or your wife now that said that said it's also important to understand that if you know that's your role that if you're not if you're not doing your role well you can actually be very detrimental the armor bearer's job is not to fight against the person that they're to protect, it is to fight alongside them to fight the same enemy to protect them and to help see them win. And that should be the heart and soul of the husband for the wife. I want to help her win. I want to see her be victorious. And then the other way around, it should be the heart and, and, and soul of my wife that she should want to see me win my battles, be victorious, and she should want to help me in that. And I will say this about my wife. I've got a warrior of a wife. She is an amazing uh, armor bearer. She really is. She's a, she is a woman of war. And I was thinking about this after the first service. It's kind of a strange way to say it, but it's true, so I'm just going to say it. She makes war fun. I like doing spiritual battle with her. And, and, and it really is. We have fun, but she does a great job. And here's, here's the, the irony of it. I don't, I don't know if I can explain this well, but one of the things that I need one of the things I actually need from my armor bearer is someone that knows how to make this war fun because I'm engaged in a battle that never ends. It's constantly going. You would be you would be shocked at some of the stuff that we just deal with all the time. You'd be shocked to know some of the things that are said to me, things that are said about me, things that I'm, a, you know, accused of. Uh, you know, everybody's got their opinion. I'm to this. I'm to that. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I'm not. I don't preach hard enough, I'm too loving, I'm this, I'm that, I'm gone too much, I preach this too much, and and there's this constant onslaught of what I'm not, and how terrible of a job I'm doing, and it's just, it's just a battle, and then those are crazy things that mean next to nothing to me, and then you get engaged in stuff that's real, and you got people's lives that are on the line, and then it's kind of heavy, because the counsel that I give, the, the the things that I say to try to help really could influence one thing away way or another. And it can get heavy at times. And I've got a warrior alongside me that she knows how to pray for me. She knows how to come alongside me. And she knows how to. I don't know how she does it. I'm just telling you she knows how to make it fun. And that it shouldn't be fun, right? It should be. It seems like it should be hard. It should be heavy all the time. But I'm telling you, I've got somebody that God's gifted me that knows how to come alongside me and help me in the battle, and encourage me on. Never, never, ever, 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 ever. We've been married uh, 24 years. We've been doing ministry almost all of that time. Never, ever in our whole lives have I ever said out of my mouth, I don't know if we can keep doing this. I feel like quitting. And never in her whole life has she ever whispered such a thing that could even be interpreted to mean that, that I think we ought to quit. We ought to give in. This is getting too hard. Instead, she stands beside me. She encouraged me, and she says, let's just keep on going. We're going to be fine. God's got this. And she finds a way to make it fun. She has never got to the point where she's like, we just can't do this anymore. I'm telling you, God has given me a warrior of a wife. And it helps in the battle. It helps in that time when, when, because we, we all face them. We go through times and seasons where it's like, I can't do this alone. I can't. I have got to have some help. I was thinking after this sermon as well, uh, between these two services, about two or three men in my life, three that came to mind, and there's others. And I didn't want to name anybody because I didn't want anybody's feelings hurt, but there are three that came to my mind in Chris Hernandez, Kevin Wilkes, and Tony Fleming. These guys. They fight alongside of me, with me. And it does get exhausting sometimes. It does. It gets tired. The battle never ends. But I can't tell you how good it feels. Like, I've got, I've got armor bearers in my life that are all in. I've got armor bearers in my life that are beside me. And I've got armor bearers in my life that I know. I know for a fact that w- when all the darts are coming my way and I'm being under attack. I've got armor bearers that are surrounding me, stepping in with their shields, saying, "We'll take this one." I don't even know half the stuff that these people have shielded me from. And there's a lot of times my wife's shielded me from work and, and from from the battle, and she's just out, you know, doing it on doing it on herself. And and later I find out, oh, we dealt with this, we dealt with this, and she handled it because she knew I was handling battle over here, and she didn't want to heap it on my shoulders. And I've watched her do that. I've watched Chris. I've watched Kevin. I've watched Tony. I've watched, I've had, I've just had some people in my life that have come alongside me. And I know this. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. A huge part of the reason that I am where I am today is because of the armor bearers that God has brought into my life to help me fight the battles. And folks, you cannot go this alone. We all need people in our lives. Who are willing to come alongside us and help us in our battles. Number two this morning. When we study the armor bearer, one of the things we see concerning spiritual warfare applicable to us today is that the armor bearer must be trained and ready for battle. Listen to me carefully when I say this. Your best friend is not your armor bearer. Maybe they could be, maybe they are, but when it's actual time for battle, when Jonathan's getting ready to go out and face 20 men, he's not looking at his best friend who don't know how to yield a sword thinking, I really need someone that knows war and that's not you, but you're my best friend, so let's go. You need somebody that knows what they're doing in your life, spiritually speaking. You need a man or a woman of God who understands the Word of God, who lives by the Word of God, who practices what they preach. When you are in your time of need, when you are in your time of spiritual battle, you don't just want the advice of your friend who's going to try to tell you whatever you need to hear to make you feel better or try to appease you with words What you need is somebody that actually understands how to stand and fight spiritually, who understands how to wear the armor of God, what it means to walk with the armor of God. You need somebody who's able to actually look at your situation and say, so here's the battle you're in, here's what you're facing, and brother, sister, here's how we're going to get through according to the word of God. And so an armor bearer needs to be trained, and they need to be ready for battle. Now, folks, All of us, all of us need to be trained and ready for spiritual battle. Understand that when, for example, we're about to go to Ephesians chapter 6. If you'll give me five minutes, I'm going to get to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to close with the armor of God. Understand, though, that Ephesians chapter 6 was not written to spiritual leaders. It wasn't written to the, you know, 5% of pastors who are leading the church, you all need to put on the armor of God. It was written to the church. You are the ones that are battling principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Not just me, not just your pastors, not just your spiritual leaders, the church, Ephesians 6 was written to you, to the church, it's to you. And we all must learn The art of spiritual battle, and we must learn to be called upon in the time of need. We need to be trained. We need to be ready. Because you never know when it's your time. You never know. Before I get to Ephesians 6, I I really want to hammer this home about the need for you, you personally, you, to be an armor bearer. Not only do you need an armor bearer at times in your life, but you need to be trained and ready. We live in a society that has changed the way the church is the church. It's changed everything, but it's impacted the church in a way that's very important. And I I ask that you give me about five minutes here to talk to you about this. Because what I'm about to say is really very important. This deals with God's design. It deals with the church. And if we don't do it God's way and we don't do it by God's design, folks, it won't work. God's design was never that all of you would have access in real time to your pastors. That's only existed. Now, most of you don't know any other world that's ever existed, ever, especially if you're my age. If you are under the age of 40, you don't know any world that's ever existed any differently. You were born thinking that anytime you needed to get a hold of somebody, you just sent them a text, and in three seconds, they have the information in front of their face. And what that's done is it's created an atmosphere in the church where 95% of the church, they think when there's a need for an armor bearer, when you have a spiritual need in your life, quick, contact the pastor, quick, get a hold of the deacon, quick, get a hold of this person. Now just follow me for a minute and seriously consider what I'm trying to tell you. They couldn't do that with Jesus. I mean, once Jesus had passed through the town, two weeks later, he's out of town. He's on his way. If you were in that town, Jesus had passed through. Guess what? If you had a need, you couldn't just text him. You couldn't send him a Facebook messenger. Once the church started and and the Holy Spirit falls and the church has started and it's spreading like wildfire. These folks couldn't just decide when there was a need that they were going to send Apostle Paul a Facebook messenger for some advice. When their children fell sick and they needed healing, they couldn't get on the phone and call John and say, John, here's the situation. Can you please put it on your prayer list? There was no way to contact your elders. None. I mean, you could send a letter, pay somebody to take it by horse, know that three, five days, sometimes two weeks, depending on the distance, they might get the letter. But you understand what I'm saying? We live in a culture where you've all been trained. You don't need to get a hold of God. All you need to do is hop on Facebook Messenger and send a message to your pastor and you've done your job. Now, listen to me. I'm talking to you about being armor bearers. I'm talking about spiritual warfare this morning. And I'm not saying don't contact us. I thank God for the ability to contact us. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that. What I'm trying to tell you is is that we've been duped into thinking that there's 5% of us that need to handle all the problems, and that's not true. The same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you, child of God. And God does not have favorite children. God does not love me more than He loves you. God's not up there answering my prayers more than He is the rest of His sons and daughters' prayers. God hears the prayers of His sons and daughters. And for thousands and thousands of years, the way it worked, when you had a need in your life... You got with your closest circle. You got with your Christian neighbor across the street. You said, brother, sister, this is what's going on in my home. So-and-so has a need. So-and-so is sick. Your neighbors gathered in. You all grabbed around each other, and you went to heaven together, and you all were responsible for dealing with your major needs yourself. You had to be somebody's armor bearer. You at times had to let somebody else be your armor bearer. You could not just contact whoever you wanted to contact. And what it's done is create what this what this change has done is it's created a modern day Christianity mindset where 95% of folks just kind of want to sit in the stands and they and they want to be they want to be entertained, they want to be taught, they want to learn something, they kind of want to even be challenged. But when it comes to, you know, the the, the spiritual battles. They're hoping that the 5% down on the field are doing all the work, and they sit from the stands and just cheer, 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 cheer. And the reality is God never designed it to be that way. And until we had phones and Internet and able to, I mean, it's crazy. I can send a text message to somebody on the other side of the world, and they can get it in seconds. That is weird to me. That's just weird. But it didn't used to be that way. That used to be no option. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. God's design is actually that we have a small group of people in our lives that we are close with, that we share our lives with, that we pray with, and that we're connected with. That's the goal. And we need it. Listen to me loud and clear. You need it. I need it. And as I've already discussed, I do. I have it in my life. I've got it. But you need it, it's part of God's design. We can't all know each other. We can't all know everything about each other. This isn't the time and place for everybody to step up this morning and say, hey, my name is this. These are my struggles. Could you all please join me in my spiritual battle? Jesus had 12 disciples that we know of that he actually called out to follow him closely. But he had like 70 other, possibly hundreds that actually followed him, that learned from time to time. And then of that group of 12, he had three that he seemed to be closer with, that he took into some of the most intimate moments of his life, whether it was the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he died, he's just got the three disciples. Whether it was the greatest moment of his earthly life where he's glorified on the mountain and the the transfiguration takes place, it's still just those three disciples. We see that even Jesus at times had a small circle that that was super important to him. That doesn't mean he didn't love everybody equally. doesn't mean that he wasn't willing to invest in other people's lives. But this is just a reality. If you've got a thousand friends, you don't have any friends. That's just a fact. You cannot invest in that many people's lives. And honestly, it's not even the design of the church to have ever worked that way. You know, I as your pastor, I can't invest in all your lives. Be honest. Look around right now. Just imagine if you were the pastor here. Look around at this congregation. What are the chances that you personally could be invested in the lives of everybody here? Don't forget we just had a first service with about the same as many people. The answer is I can't, but I wasn't ever designed to either. God's design is that we have groups that we're part of and and neighbors that we're close to and sometimes as a co-worker at work that's a Brother or sister in the Lord, and we're in this battle together. We're in this battle together. So, we all need armor bearers. As armor bearers, we've got to be trained and ready for battle. You've got to be willing to be called upon in your time of need. There should be people in your life that when they are going through spiritual battle, they know they can contact you and that you are a man of God, you are a woman of God. You got to be available, you got to be in position, and you got to be willing. Two final notes before I move to close this morning out of Ephesians chapter 6. Note number one To those of you who say, I have nobody by my side, well, did you ask for help? Did you tell the truth about your battle? or you just expect people to have superpowers to somehow read your mind and know that you need spiritual help. A lot of times we don't have people alongside us because we have, we're have either too shamed or we got too much pride to ask. And I say this somewhat boldly, also cautiously. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings this morning, but listen, Facebook don't count. If you haven't actually told somebody specifically, look somebody in the eyes that you trust as a spiritual uh, authority in your life and said, hey, I need some help. Would you please pray for me? This is what's going on in my life, and I need some help. If you haven't done that and all that you've done is posted some vague thing on Facebook and expect the whole world to care about you enough to log into Facebook and look at your Facebook post and then somehow respond to it, that is a coward's way of asking for help. Have some courage and some integrity and go to somebody that you know is a man or a woman of God and just tell them the truth about where you're at and ask them to join you in battle. Now, the second thing I want to say about that, listen to me, folks, this is one of the primary reasons that so many people fail in their Christian life is they try to do everything on their own. They get hurt. They get wounded. All of a sudden, the enemy's got an arrow in them. They start to get pessimistic and negative about people, about church, about this, about that. All of a sudden, they think everybody's looking at them wrong. And if they would take the time to get one or two good, solid, God-loving, spiritual men or women in their life to come alongside them during that time of battle and say, hold on a second, I see what you're seeing, but wait a second, there's another view over here. It's not exactly like you think. From my perspective, this is what's happening. And either way, here's the proper response. Rather than getting negative about people, we need to get on our knees and pray for God to do a work in this. And you need to remember that God uses all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And there is nothing that can come against you that God does not have the ability to take and turn on His head for you. You need somebody in your life who comes alongside you in that battle to say that. To say those things. A lot of people, the reason they fail is they simply don't. They fight their battles on their own. A lot of times they don't even let their husband or their wife in on really what's going on inside of here. And they just, they fight everything on their own. And before you know it, you're, you're in a losing battle. You're flanked by every side because you went into war without an armor bearer. Let's move this morning to my final point. The armor of our battles is spiritual armor, right? So I said that at the beginning of the service. we got to be careful not to take Old Testament principles and and take them too far, or Old Testament stories of war and take it too far. So let's look at the New Testament principle together this morning about what armor and what battles look like for us. You're going to find this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, And we're going to read verses 10 through 18. First, I want to read 10 through 12. Comment on it. And then I want to read 13 through 18. So first, uh, let's do Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I would encourage you to read that set of verses over and over and over again today. Maybe when you get home before you turn on the TV to watch football, pick up those verses, just read it like 3 times. I'm tempted to do it now, it take less than 2 minutes. But read it like 3 4 times so you get it stuck in your brain. That's the battle you're in, folks. Those are serious words. We're like we're battling cosmic forces of evil in heavenly places. And you think you want to do that alone? All by yourself? We need each other. I cannot say it enough. We need each other. The body needs the body. Brothers need brothers. Sisters need sisters. Brothers need their sisters. Sisters need their brothers. We need each other. The enemy wants to separate us off. But I don't know about you. I look at verses like that and I'm like, well, I don't want to do that by myself. I need my wife and my life. I need the men like Kevin and Chris and Tony in my life standing beside me battling these forces. I don't want to go it alone. This is a serious battle that we're in. Cosmic powers over the present darkness. Spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We better humble ourselves and realize we were never meant to battle this battle alone. And if we're going to be victorious, we need brothers and sisters walking alongside us and battling with us and for us. Let's look at the final verses here, 13 through 18, and let's look at what our armor looks like. What is the armor bearer wear? And What type of armor do we take to give to our brothers and sisters in their time of need? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Let's just stop with the belt of truth. The belt of truth, it's, uh, you know, Paul uses uh, imagery that would have been consistent with what warriors wore into battle, specifically the Roman soldiers, in this era of time. And one of the interesting things about the belt, I mean, it's interesting that the belt is mentioned as part of the armor, right? It's not a sword, it's not a shield, it's Not a helmet, it's it's a belt. But the belt held everything together. Almost, not all, but almost all the pieces of the armor were in some way or another connected to the belt. Without the belt holding it all together, it would have fallen off. And so we see the thing that holds all this together to start with is truth. And we've got to know there is such a thing as truth. We are being told, our young people are being told, truth doesn't matter. Truth, truth is relative. That what you feel and what you think, it trumps truth. That's not true. And there is such a thing as truth. Gravity is real. You jump off of a building, you're going to fall and you're going to hit the ground. You can think all day long that gravity doesn't matter to you and that you're a bird. But your truth is not true. It's a lie. We have to understand something about the spiritual battle we're in. Truth matters. And Jesus said, He is the truth. Jesus said, that you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth matters. It matters that we are true. That I am who I say I am. You will find it's all but impossible to live a victorious Christian life if you are a fraud. You've got to be true. You've got to be who you say you are. That doesn't mean you've got to be perfect. None of us are saying we're perfect, but you can't be an all-out fraud over here living like the devil, you know, doing things and being in places that a Christian has no business being in, and then over here showing up, begging God to make your life blessed and take care of things, you're going to find you are in a losing Spiritual battle. You've got to be a man or a woman of truth. You've got to be who you say you are. You've got to know the truth. And you've got to be willing to stand for the truth. It is the belt that holds it all together. Where are we at? Verse 14. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I don't know that any of these are more important. You know, Paul just found a way to, to, to explain some important truths. And found a way to put it all into armor, and and the Holy Spirit gave him that great wisdom to do that. So I'm not saying it is more important. I'm just telling you for me, for me, for Joplin Emerson, the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation are probably the two most significant pieces to me, and I'm going to explain why. We're talking about spiritual battle. We're talking about we're battling forces of evil in, in spiritual places. If you don't understand where your righteousness comes from, you're going to roll over and quit. If you think that your righteousness comes from your ability to flawlessly serve God, to never think a wrong thought, to never have a bad day, to never get into the flesh and and blow it and say something you shouldn't say and treat somebody you shouldn't treat, you know, treat somebody a way you shouldn't treat them. If you think that your righteousness depends upon that, your ability to stay righteous, you'll make it about two weeks. And during that two weeks, you will have blown it. You'll just be so arrogant you didn't know you are blown it. The very fact that you thought you could make it in your own righteousness is a proof in and of itself that you got pride that you don't know about. But here's the reality. It was never your righteousness that made you right with God. It is the righteousness of Christ, His perfect and holy righteousness, That God says he's imputed to you as a child of his, as a believer in Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we are blood-bought, born-again Christians, our righteousness comes from Jesus. And I have to know that in the time of battle. You'll find, you know, it's a poor analogy, but you'll find the old enemy will jump up on your shoulder and say, you got no business being a Christian. You got no business doing that. You got no business raising your hands this morning to praise God. You know how you treated that person Thursday. You know how you blew it this week. You know this. You know that. You've got to understand your righteousness never came from your ability to be righteous. Your righteousness is from Jesus Christ and from Him alone. And when we really understand that and we turn to Him with this heart of gratitude, it makes us want to serve Him all the more. I don't know that anybody knows this better than me. Unless you've ever done what I've done, you have no idea what it's like to do what I do. And there have been times in my life where Sunday morning rolled around and the enemies wanted to jump on my shoulder like, Who are you, son? You're going to get up there and tell all those people how to be a Christian? You know what you did Thursday. You know what a jerk you've been to your wife the last week. You know you ain't asked for forgiveness in this situation with your kids. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, it's 30 minutes before church time, and I'm thinking, man, I got no business being up there preaching. What am I going to do? I've had to learn how to hit my knees And thank God for the blood of Jesus. I've had to learn to hit my knees and say, God, I'm so sorry for what I did. But I'm grateful that the blood of Jesus cleanses all my sins. And this morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to open that book. Because your book is life and your word is life. And I'm going to preach it not because of my righteousness. Not because of how well I've been this last week. Not because I'm your favorite child. But God, I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach. And I know you're going to use it because the blood of Jesus cleanses me of all my sins. And I've had to learn where my righteousness comes from. So that in that moment of spiritual battle, I know what to lean on. You've got the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Understand, brothers and sisters, our job is to bring the gospel of peace. But understand something. This is, this is honestly one of the most mistaken and understood pieces, I think, of the armor. Because people will point to it and insinuate that that means everywhere we go, we're supposed to bring peace. That's not true. Jesus said the very message of the gospel was an offense Jesus said that when he came and the Gospels is preached, that sometimes it will divide homes. It'll, that so, so the gospel itself is offensive. Here's the peace that we're trying to bring. We're trying to bring people into a peaceful relationship with God. They are enemies of God. Romans chapter 5 talks about us having found peace with God because we are reconciled to God. That's the gospel message we're bringing, that people who are enemies of God can be brought into a right relationship with God where they now have peace with God through the blood of Jesus. That is the readiness of our feet, like we are ready at any point, at any time, Paul told Timothy, preach the gospel, be instant, in season and out of season, this is is the gospel of peace that we are to be ready to preach. It's on our feet. Anywhere we go, that's the indication there. Anywhere we go, we are ready at any given time to bring people into a peaceful relationship with God. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. That shield of faith, its faith is believing what God has said. It's knowing what God has said, and it's trusting God's word. And so, as the enemy's constantly trying to come at us from every angle, dart from this direction, dart from this direction, dart from this direction, the only thing that we can do is put up the shield of faith. Where we know what God has said, we stand on what God has said, we believe in God's promises, we know that no matter what's coming our way, God is with us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? So we have that shield of faith. Taking on the helmet of salvation. For me, the helmet of salvation is very similar to the breastplate of righteousness. We understand how we're saved. Let me say this about the helmet of salvation. I need to understand how I'm saved, right, The, the way I'm initially saved. I am initially saved by putting my faith in Jesus Christ. And God takes the blood of Jesus and he applies it to me. And every wrong that I've ever done is atoned for and I am right in the eyes of God. I am saved because the righteousness of Christ is imputed to me. I am saved because God gives me his Holy Spirit as a seal of approval to stamp upon my life. I am saved by Christ, by Christ alone. I am saved by grace, through faith. That's how I'm saved. But understand something about the helmet of salvation. God is constantly saving us. Now, I don't mean saving our soul over and over and over again. I'm not saying that you get saved 10 times a year when you come up to the altar and pray to get saved over and over again. What I'm telling you is that God's constantly saving us. He is our salvation. And this mortal wound that the enemy wants to put on the head of every Christian, the Bible says that Satan has come but to steal, kill, and destroy. Trust me, brother. Trust me, sister. He would take you out if he could. I don't believe that we will ever know until we get to the other side of heaven. And even then, only if God chooses to tell us, I don't think we'll ever know how many times God saved us. I don't think we'll ever know how many times we are under attack by the enemy and the God of our salvation stepped up and said, Nope, that one's mine. That one's mine. And I believe that our God is constantly protecting us. He is our constant protector, our constant provider. He is the God of my salvation. And when I think about like... When I think about looking forward and I think about, man, what if the enemy keeps coming? What if the enemy keeps attacking? Here's what I know. My God's going to be there to the very end. And I can trust that he who began a good work in me is going to accomplish it. God's going to take care of it. He's the author. He's the finisher. He started it. And he will finish what he started. He is the God of my salvation. Finally, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You've got to know the Word. It's the, the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is really the only weapon that's offensive in this particular lineup here. It's the only thing that's used to attack the enemy is the Word of God. And we need to know the Word of God. And you need armor bearers in your life who know the Word of God. And when they're counseling you and they're coming alongside of you, their, 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 their counsel is consistent with the Word of God. They're able to point you to the Word of God. I'm going to go ahead and ask our worship team if you guys would come. I've got to close down. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We've got to be men and women of prayer. You want people fighting spiritual battles with you that are actually praying about it. You don't want people advising you, and you don't want people coming alongside you to help you in your spiritual battles who are not people of prayer. When we are not people of prayer, we are seriously telling God, I got this without you. You don't want the spiritual battles that we're reading about here being fought by people who have the attitude of, I got this without you. You need to be a man or woman of prayer. If you're going to be ready to be called upon at any time and be somebody's armor bearer, you need to be a man or woman of prayer. You need to be wearing the armor of God. You need to be putting it on. And when you're looking at people to come alongside you and help you in your spiritual journey, here's your New Testament picture of the type of people that you want. I'm going to close with two simple questions. Number one, have you been fighting your battles alone? Have you been fighting your battles alone? Could it be that the very reason God brought you here today was to remind you that this is a war, it is a battle, it was never going to be easy, he never said it was going to be easy. Possibly the very reason that you just can't get out of that hole that you're in is because you keep trying to fight your battles alone and today it's time to stop time to get honest with God and say God I can't do this on my own and I'm going to reach out not through some random post but I'm going to reach out to somebody in my life that I know has the power to help me and that's going to be willing to come alongside me if you've been fighting your battles alone second question and I'm done who needs you who needs you in their life right now? And are you ready to step up to that task and say, I am here, brother. I'm here, sister.